0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much he loves us starts right now.
1: Church, a group of scientists placed five monkeys in a cage. And right in the middle of this cage, they had this ladder. On the top of the ladder, they had some bananas. You guys with me? And so, of course, guess what happens? The bananas, the the monkeys are like, oh, check it out, bananas. And so they would run as fast as they, and they would climb up the ladder trying to get bananas. And as soon as they got on the ladder, the scientists took ice cold water and just sprayed them. And they're just going like this. And they would come down and then they would cower to the side. And after a while, guess what happened? Every time a monkey would start up the ladder, he would get sprayed. And eventually what happened is that as a, as a monkey goes, okay, okay. And he would try to get, why? The goal was the banana, right? And He tried to get up the ladder. The other monkeys would grab him and pull him down and, then, and, and pull him to the side. And if a monkey even tried to attempt to go to the ladder, you know what the other monkeys did? They would beat him. And he's like, nope, you're not going to go. Now, the scientist decided to replace one of the monkeys. The first thing this new monkey did was try to go for the bananas, right? He went to the middle. The other four monkeys pulled him down and beat him until he was right on the side. And of course, the second monkey was submitted with the same occurred. And the first monkey participated in the beating. The second monkey, the third monkey was changed at the same. And all of this was repeated. Then they put four different monkeys. There were four monkeys. The fourth monkey was changed, resulting in the same. Before, the fifth was finally replaced as well. What was left, guys, was a was a group of five monkeys. You with me? that without ever receiving a cold shower, they continued to beat up the monkeys that attempted to climb the ladder. If it was possible to ask the monkeys why they beat up on all who attempted to climb the ladder, their most likely answer would be, I don't know. It's just how things are done around here. This morning, church, as we come to our passage in the Gospel of John, we're introduced to a very familiar scene. Jesus had just left a wedding where he had turned water into wine. You remember that? It was the first miracle recorded in the Gospel of John. He was having a good time. It was an amazing occasion. Here's Jesus, the man of joy, with his mother and his disciples, and they're having a good time. You guys know the story. They ran out of wine, and he's like, "What? What Woman, what am I supposed to do? Right? And so all of a sudden he says, and, and his mom says, Hey, whatever he tells you, do it. And he says, Hey, put some water in in those stone pots, right? And they turns, and I mean, it's just you guys know the story. It was just amazing, awesome, wonderful. It was the best wine they had ever had. Now, remember, Jesus leaves the party, but he leaves the party with over a hundred and fifty gallons of the best wine. That's what he leaves them with. Can you imagine? What an amazing gift. And so they're just like, wow, everybody everybody puts out the good wine first. And and then when people are all drunk and, and the wedding feast is over, what happens is that eventually, what happens? They give the inferior wine. And so you've put out the best wine. You've put out the best wine. And you've left it for last. And of course, church, we learned, if you're taking note, remember that Jesus saves the best for last. And you go, what does that mean for us? Well, here's what it means. Listen, I think for us in 2017, the best is yet to come. No, 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 I get it. I get it. You go, Ben, really, have you been in the world lately? Have you seen? I mean, everything's going crazy. But no, 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 listen, because I think that Jesus is giving us a beautiful principle. I think the best is yet to come. You go, what does that mean? I think when we get to the very end of we just can't take it anymore, Jesus is going to say, okay, come on home, and he's going to take us. And we're going to be with him forever, forever. Well, Jesus, guys, he makes his way to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. Now, if you were here on Wednesday night, you recall in Psalm 84, the psalmist had set his heart on pilgrimage to Jerusalem, right? And why? Well, the 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 pilgrim, he, he, he has his heart and he longs to be in the presence of the Lord. He goes, I want to go to Jerusalem. I want to go. I want to be part of the feast and he just couldn't but his inability to attend the feast did not rob him of actually the blessing of the fellowship with the lord now the jewish people guys were required to attend at least one of the three main feasts in jerusalem number 1 we know it's the it's called unleavened bread it's the passover feast and That's where Jesus is going to go today. There was another one that's called the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Pentecost. And then the third one was the Feast of Tabernacles. So Jewish men were required to attend at least one of these per year. Well, guess what? Jesus, guys, is on his way to Jerusalem for the Passover, for the unleavened bread. And you go, why? Well, listen, listen to why he's going. He wanted to be with those who worshiped the Father. And he chose obedience as well as to set a great example for us. Church, listen, if you ever read the Bible, you need to realize that, that anytime in the Bible, guys, as you go through that, okay, anytime you go through that, you're going to see that Jesus will always give us a great example. That's why we wear those bracelets. Like, what would Jesus do? WWJD, right? A lot of people wear them and they're like, what would Jesus do? Well, that's the whole point. The whole point is he's going to show us a great example of how to live the Christian life. Well, guess what? Guys, he finds a problem. Right? There he is, and he's going up, right? And, and he finds a problem. His father's house is in a mess. You go, what do you mean? He walks probably in through the Eastern Gate. He probably walks over the Kidron Valley in through the Eastern Gate, and he sees, and to his dismay, guys, he finds on the outer courts of the temple, he finds business people everywhere trying to make money on the folks that would come from far, far, far away. He's like, what is going on? We call them money changers. And so he'd see this and, and then he would walk in a little bit further and he would see, guys, those booths and they'd be selling sheep and they'd be selling oxen and you go, why would they? Now keep this in mind, okay? You, it, it, In order to sacrifice, the, the atoning sacrifice for your sin, you take a sheep and you bring it into the court and you'd show the priest and it had to be a sheep without blemish or anything on it, right? And and if the priest went, hmm, no, see, there's a little cut right here. What are you going to do? Go, go all the way back, the feast will be over before you get back. And so you'd go, oh, I don't know what to do. And they go, well, see that guy over there? He'll hook you up. He'll get you a, he'll get you a little sheep, and then you just pay a little money. And these sheep are already approved. And so you walk over there, you go, okay, well, how much? Well, and then they would, what? Sheep or oxen, they would just jack up the price. And so you, you had no choice. I'm going to sacrifice. What am I going to do? What do you want to do with this lamb? And so that's what he would do. And Jesus walks in, and he sees the money changers there. He sees those who sold sheep. And, and and listen, he even saw those who sold doves, the little doves. You go, why would they sell doves? Here's why. Listen, because the poorest of the poor couldn't afford a sheep or an oxen. And so they would only could sacrifice a dove. And so all of the people in the courtyard had their bases covered. And so Jesus walks in in this and he's just like, wow. Jesus see that they have made the father's house, the temple A house of merchandise and not a house of prayer. It wasn't a place anymore where people could come in and have an encounter with God. It was a place of it was a place of merchandise. Can you imagine in your mind, picture walking to church, and all of a sudden, right before you get to church, there's this giant mall. And on this side you have all these shops, and on this side you have all these merchandise, and you're just like, wow, this is like a mall. And 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 we forgot what it's like to have an encounter with God. And this passage, guys, if we look at John chapter 12, 2, 12 through 25, it can be approached in various ways. But when we begin to search deeper in its meanings, especially by including the latter verses, we notice that this text is just a bit different and its focus is on a great need for change in our lives, change in our lives. You go, why, pastor? Here's why. Listen. Jesus knows the change needs to take place. Jesus knows that. You go, why? Well, think about this, guys. Long before he even came to earth, think about the 30 years of ministry or before he started his ministry. Guess what was happening, guys? Guess what was happening? They've always been doing the feast the same way. There have always been money changers. And what happens, guys, is... is If we were to ask the Jews, hey, hey, before Jesus comes, why are you guys doing this? What would they, what might they say? Well, this is how it's always been done. uh, Right, right? Like, remember the monkeys? It's like, we don't know why we're doing this. We just know we're doing this. Jesus knows that. And so he says there needs to be a, there needs to be a change. Now, here's what I want you to remember Jesus doesn't always give you the change you ask for, but more importantly, he often gives you the change you need. Now, think about this. We hear a story of Jesus throwing people's things all over the ground. Okay? And we really don't understand it. It's not that we can't understand that there shouldn't, perhaps, these people shouldn't be doing these things in the temple yard. But you often ask the question, well, why did Jesus get so upset? We're going to see that he made a whip, and he's just going to just go crazy. I mean, he's this he is he is rebelling, if you will, of what's going on. And I guess we would ask the question, well, wasn't there a more civilized way of handling their problems in the, tor- in the temple courtyard? I mean, could, couldn't we do this? Couldn't Jesus, he, let me give you some possible responses, right? Jesus walks in, he sees some stuff. And he could have said, well, listen, you know what? I need to do something. I think I'll write a long letter. I'll write a long letter to the court officials. Dear sirs. I mean, he could have done that. Amen? He could have said, this is just an outrage. I'm just not, I'm not having it. Well, another response Jesus could have done, guys, is he could have gone up to the people, table one by one, and saying, you know, you really shouldn't be doing this. You probably should move. Or, I mean, this little This gets just a little bit more radical He could have drawn a circle in the sand, sat down in the middle and started praying out loud. Can you imagine? You with me, right? There's there's different responses on he could have handled this as he walks in through the gate, as he walks in through the eastern gate and he sees this, he could have just, there's different responses. So how, why did Jesus respond? I mean, look what he did. Look what he did. It's not what Jesus did. He actually acts quite radically. Now, what did he do? Think about this. Jesus threatened to upset all of Jerusalem. He alerted the Roman armies, right? He aggravated the relationship between the leaders and the people, and he troubled the worshipers of God. Why? Because there's time. listen, there's times in our lives, guys, when we need a radical change. Jesus says there's, there needs to be a radical change. If you're taking note, I'm calling this message, it's time for a change. Today we discover and we learn like a rebel with a cause, our Jesus cleanses the temple to restore order and holiness back into the temple of God. And you go, well, how does this apply to my life? Well, listen, when we apply this passage to our lives, we discover that we are the temple of God. And if we were to be real honest and look real deep, it might be time for a real change. I believe that believers should at times ask the Lord, what needs to change inside me? What's going on? You go, why? Well, there are times in our lives, guys, that whatever you're doing or however you're living, okay, that you've continued through a process of just doing things because that's how you've always done them. Well, why do we go to... We've just always gone to church at the nine o'clock. Why? We just have. There might be other things deep in your heart, guys, and, and, and now the Lord comes and he starts to knock on your heart and he says, listen, it's time for a change. And you go, no, 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 no. This is not how we've done it. We just, there's, there's no change. And you go, pastor, what's your point? Here it is, you ready? In our walks with God... Maybe we have allowed some money changers in our lives. Maybe we have allowed some oxen and sheep, sellers. Maybe we've allowed some oh, listen, listen, maybe we've allowed some things that are, are defiling our walks with God. And Jesus walks in. Now now listen, I love that Jesus is a gentleman. Can I get an amen? And he might come into your heart and he might knock and he might go, Hey, um, hey, hey, can we fix this? And he's so gentle, right? Wonderful Jesus, gentle and mild. And he'll say, Let's fix this. And you'll hear his, his sweet voice and you go, Okay, I need to fix this. Other times, I don't know. He might come in radically and he'll want to change some things in your heart. And he might turn over some tables and he might take a whip. And, and I'm thinking about this, right? Now, now think about this. I want to give you your first story, okay? Your first story in the book of Acts to show you what? That God will always give you what you need, not always what you ask for. Acts chapter 3 is where we pick up our story. We'll move pretty quick through it, but it says this. Now, Peter and John went together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. So Peter and John, his disciples, they're going to where? Help me, church. The temple, they're going to the temple, right? Jesus is already resurrected. I mean, he's already in heaven. They're still being obedient. Why? They still want an encounter with God. They still want to meet with God's people to worship. And so Peter and John go, right? And they find something very interesting. What? Well, there's a certain man... Lame from his mother's womb and was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful. There was a crippled man from, from the day he was born and they would carry him. And if you go to Israel today, the, the gate beautiful is right underneath the eastern gate where Jesus would have walked in, where, where these, where, where Peter and John would have walked in. Notice, and, and here it is, he says, and he would ask alms for everyone who entered the temple. Everyone. And so there he is, and what he would do is he would ask for spare change. Hey, you got some change? This is how I make my living. Hey, you got some change? I know you're going into to worship God. Do you have some money? Brother, can you spare a dime? That's what he's saying. Notice the text, guys. It says, and seeing Peter and John about to go into temple, this guy said he asked for alms, do you have some money? Do you have some change? And fixing his eyes on him, with John and Peter said, look at us. Okay, picture the scene. They've made eye contact, meaning this guy's excited. Why? Because whenever you make, right? Am I lying? If you're going to give somebody some a handout, you're going you're to make eye contact. If you ain't going to give them anything, you just don't look at them. Just walk by. Hey, you're just like, mm, what's up, right? No, <laughs> Peter and John, they go, hey, there he is. And so he's excited. Why? Here's what he's thinking. I get to eat today. I, I, I'll I, get to buy some food, man. I'm just, I, mean, I don't know who's going to carry me tomorrow, but Peter and John, what do you have? And he's asking, he's asking, and he's asking and fixing his eyes on him with John. And Peter said, look at us. And so he gave him his attention, expecting to receive something from them. I've been in his mind right here. He said, it's a good day. I'm going to make some money today. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Can you imagine? Why? Because look at him. He says, listen, hey, hey can I, can, do, you have some, do you have a couple of bucks to spare? And Peter goes. I don't have any money. You could imagine his whole heart. Well, why are you looking at me then? Move along, right? And he says, "But what I do have, I'm going to give you." What does he do? He says, "Rise up and walk." And look, 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 guys, look. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with them. Where did he go? He went straight to church. Walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Here's the point. You ready? The poor beggar was asking for change, spare change. But God, listen, but God saw deeper into his heart, and he gave him the change he really needed. What was the change he really needed? He needed to walk. Because now he's not going to beg anymore. He's going to work. And he's going to walk with God, right? He's going to work, and he's going to walk, and he's going to worship. Church, listen, there are times when we come to church in our temple, in our hearts, and we're asking God for a certain thing. And you go, God, I, I don't know if he hears me, Pastor. I've been praying the same thing. And sometimes God says, I'm not going to give you the change you ask for. I'm going to give you the change you need. And he says, take, take my hand, rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. So as we approach, guys, John 2, 12 through 25. Remember that in our lives today, that Jesus might just want to change some things in our lives. Picking it up over in John, guys, chapter 2, picking it up in verse 12. After this, he went down to Capernaum. After what? Remember, he was just at a wedding. Okay, he was just having a blast. It was a joyous occasion. He, his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they went and they did not stay there very many days. So after the wedding in Cana, they went and they went back home for a little bit, right? And so he says, okay, so what happens? Look at verse 13. Now, the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep And doves and the money changers doing business. And you could imagine Jesus walks in. He sees this thing. So what was his reaction? And when Jesus made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Your attention, please. What stands out to you in this passage? You know, the one thing that I see is that he made a whip and he drove out the, what, he drove out the sheep, he drove out the oxen, he turned over the change, but he spoke gently to those who sold doves. And he says, please take these away. And you go, okay, so pastor, what's your point? You ready? Jot this down. God wanted to desperately reach the heart of his people. God saw all their sin amplified through their covetousness, their cheating, their stealing, all in the name of convenience. And God could not even get near to his own temple because their sin was so bad. And so what does God do? A lot of times we feel like God does this. Well, y'all want to sin? Go for it. Uh, What does that have to do with me? No, no, no. On the contrary, the mission was clear. God went into enemy territory. How? Sending Christ to Jerusalem's temple to take out that big infectious growth. God will do that, church. And you and I must realize that God so much desires to have a people who will draw close and reveal his glorious ways to. You see, John used the overturning of the temples of the, of the crooks for what reason? To show God's heart. What do you mean? Because God really does care. He really does want to come close to his people. And here's what the enemy will do, church. Listen. Here's what the enemy will do. The enemy will tell you and lie to you because he is the father of lies. The enemy will tell you, God is busy. God doesn't have time for you. God is, well, he doesn't even want to draw close. Well, you're a loser. You're a sinner. And that's not, that's not the case. We see the, we see the principle of the temple. God's like, man, I want to meet with my people, but I can't because you've made it. There's just sin. Jesus, do something. And so Jesus comes in and he says, listen, we've got to change. We've got to change. This is radical. We've got to change this. We've got to change it all up. And I think Jesus, the man of joy, is also a man of holiness. And what we need to grasp, church, is that sin separates us from God. Jesus knows that to have an an encounter with the Father... We must allow him to cleanse the temple. To go deep in our hearts and to clean out the junk. Church, listen. We need to get to the place where we allow Jesus to clean and purify our hearts. You go, why, pastor? Listen to me. Listen. Because I think at times in Christianity, we keep doing the same things because that's how we've always done it. And I think sometimes he comes in and he does it gently and he'll does it patiently. And I think other times in our lives, there has to be a change and he'll take a whip and he'll drive out those crooked things. And it's almost like we can hear Jesus say to us, take these things away my father wants to draw close to you. Take these things away. Why are you allowing these things in your life? There's an infectious growth there in the temple and Jesus comes in and he drives them out. Verse 17 tells us, Then his disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. And it was actually Psalm 69 verse 9 what revealed that Jesus would be zealous, guys, for the holiness of God's house. Why? Well, we know that the, we know that the money changers was, was defiling it. We know that those who sold oxen were defiling it, right? And so Jesus was zealous. Why? Because, listen... When, when sin is removed, when the money changers are removed, it, then people could meet with the Father. People could have a real encounter with God. And so, and so again, you're just like, wow. Psalm 69 verse 9 says, because your zeal of your house has eaten me up and reproaches those who reproach you, you have fallen on me. And so it goes, the disciples are like, I remember he, he was just Holy. And so Jesus comes in. I want you to picture the scene in your mind. Jesus comes in and he I mean he's causing a ruckus. Okay? I mean, this is crazy. Change is on the horizon, right? He's running the I mean, can you imagine sheep and oxen, ah, they're running all over the place. Tables are being flipped over, change, right? You know what happens when somebody drops change, right? Everybody's like, oh, what is that? Right? I mean, you can just you can just imagine there's chaos in the temple courts. And so guess what happens? Notice the reaction, right? This, of course, stirs up everyone, including the Jewish authority. Everybody's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And you go, why? Listen, here's why. Because people don't like change. Or they say they don't like change. But if we're really honest, guys, we like change. We need change. You go, oh, how so? Well, church, listen, that's why we go on diets. That's why we exercise. That's why we change the color of our hair. That's why we cut it. That's why we let it grow long. That's why, I mean, there's all kinds of things. We like change, but here's what we don't like. We don't like the process of change. Why? Because the process of change is usually what hurts. For you to open up your heart and allow Jesus to come in and begin to chip away in some of those areas that would bring change. Oh, Lord, that hurts. Wait a minute, what are you doing? I just, I like the way things work. Stop it. Ouch. I don't want to change. I like things the way they are. No, no, no. You want to change. You're praying. Do you remember your silent prayers? God, please, I want to draw closer to you. I want to walk with you. I want to hear your voice. And God says, okay, I have to do some radical changing. I have to do some radical changing. It's almost, like, it's almost like surgery. Anybody ever have surgery? It's not fun, is it? But it's needed radically to get you better. Our God is a spiritual surgeon who wants to come in and remove those things. Here's the problem. It's, it's like the monkeys, right? They had no idea anymore. Because that's how things have always been done. In our lives too. We've just walked so long in a certain way. Lord knocks on our heart. He says, Hey, I want to change that. And you're like, hey, why, Lord? It's we've always done it this way. And it takes him to go, no, no, no. I love you. Alice, I wanna I want to get close to you, Alice. So so I might have to get a whip. And Alice goes, No, I don't want to change. And he goes, Yeah, this is gonna be for your own good. And she's like, No. And and then he does it and it hurts and then it heals and it's beautiful cuz she she knows the heart of the lord guys change always hurts the process it's not pretty Pride has to be swallowed. Repentance has to take place. Now, we might be asking for change in our lives, and the Lord says, let me give you the change you need, not the change you're asking for. And so look at verse 18. So the Jews, they're not happy. They answered and said to Jesus, what sign do you show us since you do th-? They're all upset, right? You go, what do you mean? Let me give you a modern translation, okay? Why are you all up in our Kool-Aid stressing everybody out, turning tables and causing a scene? That's what they're, That's a modern translation. What gives? And they tell Jesus. What do they tell Jesus? What, what sign are you gonna show? Why are they looking for a sign? Every time I hear a sign, I know Jesus gives a sign, Amen. But I always think when we ask for a sign, what does Jesus say? It's a wicked and perverse generation that asks for a sign. We need to just believe. Notice what Jesus said. Okay, I love you guys. I'll oblige. Verse 19. And Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews said, it took us 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it up in three days? And of course, they missed the boat completely. Why? Because Jesus says he was speaking of the temple of his body. Doesn't that bring us close to home at this point, church? Because that's what we've been talking about, right? Now, we want to close, guys, with these final verses, okay? Verse 22, therefore, because he said these things when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said these to them and they believed, everybody say believed, the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. So I love the way that John, John kind of gives us a fast forward look. And then he, he says, oh, I, I remember. John's writing this, right? And he's like, I remember when he said that. I remember when he said in three days, he's going to rise again. And what did it do? It, it just produced what? Belief. Belief. Verse 23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, guess what? Many believed in his name when they saw the signs in which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. And he had no need of anyone should testify him For he knew what was in man. Now let's take a moment, guys, and let's see the change we need. John is writing this. And if you're taking note, here's what he's trying to do. He's trying to move us to a deeper faith in God. How so? Well, if in the first miracle, right, he was trying to show us the difference between life and death, the water of the law versus the wine of grace, he wanted to show us the difference between Christ and religion, then right here... He's speaking of He's speaking to us about a close intimacy with the Lord. And what he's saying, guys, is he saying this, you ready? If the best is yet to come, then now is the time to draw even closer to Jesus. Here's what John's reminding of us. A lot of people have things in their temples that make it so hard that they cannot get close to God. And sure, the temple is there, and they're there, but something else is there that makes it so that God cannot be there. And that's what makes this scene so terrible. You go, why? Because God can't come close to his people because of their sins. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 3, records God's conversation with Moses after the party going on in the Israelite camp. And here's what God said. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. He says, for I will not go with you in the midst because of... You are an obstinate people, lest I destroy you along the way. And God is telling Moses, guys, I can't go with you anymore, Moses. I'll send an angel along with you. You'll you'll still have all those miracles and signs that they want to need, but God says, I won't be close to you because of our sin. Church, there's a lot of us this morning that we know we want the bananas. And those bananas to us could be the presence of God in a deeper and more profound way. Those bananas to us could be just a beautiful encounter with the Lord Jesus. And for some reason, we're we're backing away because that's just how we've always done things. And so what we need to do is we need to allow the Lord Jesus to come in and cleanse our temple. It was James who wrote in James 4 8, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double minded. It's time for a change, don't you think? I want a change. I don't want to just do things because we do things. I want a fresh, new encounter with Jesus. I want to see him. I want to feel him. Lord, you have our hearts. And I know that you might need to clean some things in there. But, Lord, the money changers and the oxen sellers and the dove sellers, they weren't weren't willing. You have to drive them out, Lord. And they're probably still stunned and confused to this day. But our hearts, Lord, we're willing. We're willing as we give you our hearts. Clean what you need to clean. Change what you need to change. Father, we thank you for your word tonight, this morning, and the truth in your word. It's time for a change. And we love you, and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor
0: Josh.